I'm giving like Latina Carrie Bradshaw. That's like oh my, my God. We need a Latina Carrie Bradshaw. Right? Don't yes. I never heard of or saw people who look like us in the world of magazines. Either it was crazy, I was a little loca, or I had some like, I guess, boldness to me. You can have the devil wears Prada life without the devil part. If we don't see the opportunity, sometimes we have to create them for ourselves. Absolutely. It's very easy to always think of like, grass is always greener when you constantly have at your fingertips other people's lives to compare it to. Ask for more, always. always. Like the worst that can happen is that you get a no and then you can make your decision that way. God gave me opportunities and it was like, I could either be real nervous right now and just be like the shaking little leaf or I can like, you know, be on my best behavior and press over one for you. I always just approach everything in my life from a, a place that just feels authentic and genuine to like who I am and how mm -hmm. I feel in that moment. What is your product without you? What is your business without you? What is your show without you? Whatever it is, because I think that is super powerful. I always kind of was made to feel less than and was made to feel like ashamed for how I was brought up or like the fact that I come from two different cultures. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Banking on Cultura, where we talk about the complexity and vibrancy of Latino culture, entrepreneurship, and of course, all the bonchinche in between. Now, my guest today, we met in Napa, California over some wine. It was absolutely divine, darling. We were eating like organic food, bien bougie, just how we <laughs> like it. And I was completely impressed with her because once the camera goes on her, you guys might recognize her because she kind of is on TV every morning. Morning, maybe every morning. Not every morning. <laughs> Some mornings. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she's a big deal. And um, I'm super pumped to have her here because she is one of the very few Afro-Latinas in front of the camera. So we're going to get into the nitty gritty of that. So without further ado, thank you for being here, thank Ariana Davis. Now I'm like, wait, should we have had wine here to I like, know. relive our Napa moment? I know. Maybe we should have had it. <laughs> yes. Next uh, time. Next time. Yes, when the next camera's time. off. The yes. Yes. <laughs> no, we do it when the camera's on, girl. So introduce yourself to the people because your yeah. bio is like truly extensive. And I was like, no, you know what? She's going to introduce herself because I don't want to do it any misjustice. So. Oh, thank you. So I'm Ariana Davis. And by day, I'm the editorial director of digital for the Today Show. So that basically translation means I oversee today.com, our website. And I also, as you mentioned, do some on-camera work there. So I'm often on the show just kind of sharing some of the latest stories that are trending on digital and just sharing like, you know, all the digital moments that everybody's talking about right now. And I'm also the author of What Would Frida Do? A Guide to Living Boldly, my little book baby. That came out in 2020 and it's kind of part self-help, part biography about Frida and just looks at how we can all just take some inspiration from her life to live a more bold life. So those are my two main day jobs, but I'm also the dog mom to Leo, mm. my boo, my little baby. And I'm also working on another book. I'm working on a novel. Ooh, yeah. not a novel. Yes, Fiction, fiction yes. I'm giving like Latina Carrie Bradshaw. That's like Oh my, my God, that's yes. Like <laughs> I we need a Latina Carrie Bradshaw. Right? Yes, we do, we do. Yeah. By the way, what do you think of And Just Like That? I have thoughts. <laughs> I have thoughts. Listen, I'm, but I'm also like a Sex in the City stand, and I'm, I'm supporting. I'm watching it because Same. you know I just want to know what happens to these characters. I'm like, you have to know. Always going to be invested. Yes. This season, I think you know there is some work. I have some suggestions, but mm -hmm. but it's fun. At the end of the day, like it's fun. It's cute. Like yeah. I love that they're continuing all of their stories. But mm -hmm. if I was in the writers' room, I would have some thoughts. Yes, <laughs> yeah. and I would definitely. I'm pretty sure they tried, but. 
Samantha's Boyd is definitely felt. But you know she's coming back. I mean, what? yeah, I don't know if this is airing after that happens, but she's supposed to be having like a little cameo moment later this season. So like a very brief cameo. Oh, like from, a phone call or something yeah, like that. Yeah, like I think yeah, it's yeah. going to be like a little small moment. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I don't want that. I want <laughs> Samantha. We are, are back, yes. Yes, the Samantha we all love. So many places to start with this because this is really interesting because now you're on the other side. <laughs> Being interviewed is always yes. Like, You're what? on the other side. <laughs> so talk to us about how you even landed at the Today Show. And for folks who are clueless or living under a rock, like please explain yeah. the magnitude of what the Today Show is oh, so that they know. So if you have never heard of or aren't familiar with the Today Show, it's like the, I would say, it's like Despierta de America, if you know, like that, it's like the American version, right? It's just kind of like morning TV, Channel 4, where you watch your morning TV and you get your news. So I guess the briefest version is I went to Penn State and I, I studied journalism there. And when I graduated from Penn State, you know, I dreamed of being in the world of magazines. That was always, like, my dream. But for me, it was, like, magazines was just, like, this unobtainable thing. Like, I never heard of or saw people who look like us in the world of magazines. So I always wanted to be a writer. That was, like, my dream since I was a little girl. And my parents were like, what do you mean? You don't want to be a doctor? You don't want to be a lawyer? Like, what do you mean a writer? But luckily for me, my parents really encouraged me. And I, I think they saw, like, I was a bookworm. I was, like, writing books since I was literally eight like that was my passion so for me it was kind of like my dad was like okay how can we make sure you make money while also pursuing this dream of being a writer and so I decided to study journalism at Penn State and I thought I was going to be a newspaper journalist like that was kind of the lane that I thought I was going to go into I was going to be like the black and Latina lowest lane and so when I graduated from college I was in an internship program that landed me at the New York Daily News so I was at the New York Daily News but I still had this dream of like, how could I break into that like glamorous world of magazines? Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was at Penn State, actually at a scholarship dinner, the publisher of Seventeen magazine came to speak, and she gave this really inspiring speech. And I remember afterwards, something literally came over me, and I was like, I cannot let this woman leave without getting her contact information. So. Mm-hmm. Either it was crazy, I was a little loca, or I had some, like, I guess, boldness to me. But I literally followed her to the bathroom, was pretending to, like, wash my hands. And then I was like, oh, fancy seeing you here. By the way, I like I would love to get your business card. I would love to get into magazines one day if you're ever open to, like, you know, talking to another Penn State alum. So she gave me her business card. And when I moved to New York, I was interning at the New York Daily News. And I ended up going with her to the Hearst Tower, which is the company that owns, like, Seventeen, Cosmo, Oprah Magazine, Esquire, a lot of the big magazines magazines and we had lunch and okay hold on before you continue on because you dropped the major like gem and hack yeah so you're at this event and you're like you know what i need to meet this woman yep let me pretend like i have to go pee and go to the bathroom (laughs) so that i run into her yeah people don't understand how that strategy actually works and it is actually a really good strategy because they're not surrounded by millions of people, right? Right. Usually when they're, like, talking outside, you know, especially after a panel, everybody's running up to them. But if you catch them in the bathroom, like, that's a sweet spot. So I wanted to drive home that nugget because that's that's a I mean, listen, like, I'm not saying stalk people in the bathroom or anything. (laughs) But I do think that, like, sometimes I think when you recognize that, like, there's an opportunity and if you don't, like, take advantage of it, it could be gone. Like, if I hadn't asked her for her business card like I I don't know where my career would have taken Mm -hmm. me or what would have happened and it feels like in a lot of ways I feel I do feel like so much of my career definitely has been I feel like it was God it was ordained and I think that it was like these were these were moments that were just meant for me and Mm -hmm. then also it was okay 
these opportunities did present themselves to me, but I also had the balls and like the ambition and the drive to actually go after them and like take that leap. Like, okay, this woman's in front of you. What are you going to do with that moment? Like you have to ask her for a business card. So I definitely think there's been a lot of moments in my career like that were like that. And that was a game changer for me because after we had lunch, luckily she didn't think I was crazy and she kind of took me under her wing. And then when my internship was getting ready to finish at the New York Daily News, I saw that there was an internship at Oprah Magazine, which was another magazine at the same company at 17 and I applied and I asked her I was like if there's any chance you know anyone over there and would put in a good word like I'd greatly appreciate it and she sent an email to a, a colleague of her former colleague of hers there luckily that like gave them the heads up to actually like look at my application because mm-hmm. obviously Oprah magazine there's so many people who are applying so that kind of helped to get my resume I think to the top of the pile and I ended up getting a post-grad internship at Oprah so that's kind of like how my whole career story began Baby flex. yeah and listen like that to me I mean, it was the dream. It was absolutely the dream job. And did you get to meet her while you were working there? Yeah. So I did. I actually, so eventually I started as an intern and eventually worked my ass off, was also working on weekends to be able to afford living in New York on an intern salary while also paying New York rent. But, you know, I I worked my ass off and eventually I became the assistant to Gail King, who, if you're not familiar, is Oprah's best friend, but also Mm -hmm. the editor at large of the magazine. Mm -hmm. So I was Gail's assistant for like four years. And that was just an amazing time because I learned so much from her about what it means to be like a boss, what it means to be hardworking, what it means to, um, you know, be one of the best that you can be in your business. She's also an anchor on uh, CBS This Morning. She had a radio show. She's also a mother. Like I learned so much from her from just being her assistant, but also she's just an incredibly kind, lovely, just like nice person. And so I feel like I learned from her, you know, you can be all those things. You can have the devil wears Prada life without the devil part. So mm-hmm. that was really just like kind of my introduction into like magazines. And hold on I- before you continue. <laughs> so you obviously being Gail's assistant, working at Oprah, etc. I'm pretty sure you were exposed to a lot. Yeah. So what's some like bonchinche about that like world? Because to me, when I, I feel like it's a whole nother world. I feel yeah. like it's like, you know, I don't really, I, I think that like, listen, working for Oprah and Gail, I have zero, I will only ever have the best things to say because Oprah Winfrey, everyone always asks like, what's she like in real life? And she's exactly how who you see on TV is who she is in person. I learned so much from working from her, from getting to work with her, and the same with Gail. Like, for them to be black women in this world and doing the things that they do, like, could cry every time I think about the fact that, like, that was my first job. Yeah. So, so I really don't have any cheese made about them, sorry. But I will say, <laughs> you know, I think that there's definitely been, like, I think because of that one area that I started to do a lot more the longer that I worked there. And then eventually I went to work at Us Weekly. I've, I, then I went to Refinery29 before I went back to Oprah, which we'll get to that. But I started doing a lot more entertainment journalism and interviewing celebrities and getting to kind of be in that world and I think one of the things I definitely learned without naming names is that some celebrities are just not how they seem in person like you would I think that the the bigger celebrities are actually a lot nicer than you would think and a lot of the more kind of like c-list people are the ones who are kind of assholes so that's Mm. like I think the one thing I really learned about being in the industry is I think that you notice that like when people really start feeling themselves they start feeling themselves and so that was one thing that I feel like was disappointing for me as like someone who loves entertainment and pop culture and like celebrities whenever somebody or their team was kind of like a little bit not nice I'd be like wait but like I really liked you or I was a fan of you or you know that kind of thing so that's the only gossip I got for you Hmm. (laughs) we'll get some more bungee later (laughs) okay so you landed at the Today Show yes and Editorial, so essentially editorials behind the scene. Yeah. So let's talk about editorial a little bit, and then I want to get into how you're getting in front of the camera now. Yeah. 
on national television <laughs> on one of the most popular shows in the country. <laughs> just got it. Just saying. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Ooh, this is really good. You should know about this. So I don't know about you, but I've been known to procrastinate, especially when things scare the hell out of me. The fear alone would have me stuck, overwhelmed, confused, and all types of self-doubt. And don't even get me started on the imposter syndrome. Okay. okay. After getting laid off, not once, but three times, honey. I realized that the security blanket that I made up in my head was just an excuse because I didn't really want to bet on myself. The corporate benefits that had me in that headlock, girl, huh, they went out the window once my job decided that they no longer needed me. It turns out that I'll save a whole nickel if I cut your salary completely. The truth is, the only security blanket guarantee is the one that you create for yourself. In other words, until you start a business, you will always be at the mercy of a company's headcount and you will never have complete control over your time, which means you'll be renting out your thought leadership and helping build someone else's dream instead of your own. If you've been waiting for a sign, this is it. Don't you think it's time you stop playing small and tap all the way into your power sis? Check out www.victoriagen.com slash training to learn my three-step process, the exact three steps that I took to make the transition from corporate to entrepreneurship. And this is helpful even if you don't know what type of business to start and have only one source of income. And this is absolutely free. It is my gift to you. I want you to win. It's winning season. In fact, what's that? It smells like winning season okay so tap in and i'll see you inside the training let's go okay so editorial behind the scenes is it overwhelming to stay on top of like the news because you essentially have to stay on top of literally everything right yeah i think it definitely it can get overwhelming for sure like i think so my job is basically think of it as like i'm the editor-in-chief of a website which means that like you know we're publishing dozens and dozens and dozens of stories every day and you know we're definitely more the today show is more of a lifestyle site so we're not necessarily doing only hard news but we are doing news if somebody if celebrity dies if there's a big moment in um that's happening in the news cycle we're on top of it and i have a very big team and so it's kind of a combination of me feeling like i'm always plugged in me always kind of wanting to know like what's the latest and so i'm definitely always on my phone mm. um my my inbox is always full you know I've, i'm always on slack i'm always talking with my team but the good news is that i have a really great team and just people that work for me who i really trust and i know that like we're on top of it and then we also work really cl closely with our broadcast team and with the show and so i mean it's you know it's a really big organization and there's a lot of people who are amazing at what they do so i also know like the pressure's not only on me but mm. i also think by nature I'm just kind of like always plugged in like I'm always on social media I need to put my phone down more I definitely need to to take a break a little bit more how big is your team I think right now there's about 55 people on just like the on the digital team so wow. yeah so it's a it's a big team and you know that includes like we have an evening team who works out of, out of LA we also have a weekend team that kind of thing so you manage 55 people or yeah. oversee 55 yeah. people Wow. How old are you? <laughs> I'm 36. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So 36, overseeing 55 people, chief editor of this like <laughs> massive lifestyle website. Yeah. And now you're on camera. Yeah. On one of the biggest shows, syndicated shows on national television. So how did that come about? So, you know, that kind of, it wasn't part of the job. Like, I took the job I'm as editorial director. And before this, I did do some on-camera stuff before. So after I left Oprah the first time, I went to Refinery29. And if you're not familiar, Refinery29 is, it's a site for millennial women. And when I was there, it was at its, like, peak. Like, it was like, kind of like the, it's almost like the female version of BuzzFeed. Mm -hmm. So 
when I was there, it was during the era where like Facebook Live was a really big thing. So there was a lot of shows on Facebook Live and a lot of media brands were experimenting with doing more kind of stuff like on Instagram Live and just like experimenting with like streaming and things like that. So while I was at Refinery, one of the the CCO there was like, hey, have you ever thought about being on camera? And I was always like, no, I'm shy. I'm, an, I'm a behind the scenes girl. Like I would never. But I was like, you know, sure, like I'll try. And then, you know, like I mentioned, one thing I love is to talk about pop culture and celebrity. So next thing you know, I was hosting a pop culture show every Friday where we would like drink and just talk about the latest celebrity gossip. And then I was hosting live red carpets did the Grammys or the SAG Awards, the Billboard Awards. And that was just like, I feel like because it was very much an experimental time, like it was like live, like the camera's on and you have to talk for two hours and like you're just calling celebrities over and praying that they'll talk to you. And you're like trying to entertain an audience of like thousands of people that are just sitting at their computers, like watching you. I learned how to just like wing it, and just like be on camera, but also be myself. And I think that because I didn't necessarily have like a, broadcast journalism background and it was more just kind of like experimenting and like just learning real time um, I got to have fun and still like be myself so after that I did some things um, I would do a lot of talking head experiences I was on Access Hollywood and um, the Tamron Hall show and like a few different things then when I went back to Oprah again the second time to be the digital director there I did some more on camera stuff so then by the time I got to today it, you know the job wasn't specifically about doing on camera but after a while it just made sense to start doing some segments on the show where I was sharing some of the cool stuff we were working on on digital. And so it kind of just happened naturally. And so now I'm on every so often just sharing what's trending online, what people are talking about on the internet. And it's really fun. Every so often. I feel like you on there <laughs> quite often. I'm like, yes, let's go. Oh, I love it. Because you really don't see a lot of women that look like us in front of the camera. So it is always like super well, dope. Well, look at you, girl, you. hosting well, the show. I mean, listen. But I created this platform. Yes, you, you know did. What I mean? Yes, and good for you because okay. I think Thank that you. I think we need more of that. And I think that I'm 100% I'm always encouraging of like women and women of color. Like I think if we don't see the opportunity, sometimes we have to create them for ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely about that life. Most of your work is consumed with other people's lives, Mm -hmm. right? Tracking them. What are they doing? What's happening? Do you ever find yourself like losing yourself? Because so much Mm. of like what you do is associated and consumed with other people's lives. It's a really good question. I think there are definitely moments when I've when I've felt that or experienced where I'm like, okay, well, I got to like really like take a break. I'm a very big fan of unplugging. So like I think that I do a good job of just kind of staying in tune with myself. And I know like when I'm literally to the point where like if I don't have my phone in my hand, I start to feel anxious and I'm like, oh, my God, what's happening? And I'm like, okay, girl, like we got to take a break. We got to like unplug a little bit. Mm-hmm. So a couple of things that I do. One is that every night when I get in bed, I literally put my phone and do not disturb it, put it down and then I put it far away from me. Like, over on the nightstand and I try to just I usually read I'm a big bookworm so I'll take some time to just like read but like just like completely unplug from like what's happening on the internet what's happening with work and just try to have some like me time a little bit like every night and then I love to travel and I think that like for me when I travel I like always am booking trips and trying to just like get away and when I travel I also try to unplug and just like put my phone away I leave my phone on airplane while I'm out you know sightseeing or on the beach or whatever it is just just to try to have some time where it's like I'm just not thinking about the news cycle not thinking about work nothing about what whoever's posting on Instagram and just try to like have a little bit of like just unplug time mm-hmm. so I think that that's my way of just trying to make sure that I don't lose myself and that I still stay like grounded and tuned in with like me and not just like Ariana on the internet 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's super important because a lot of people who are not even in your position yeah. struggle yeah. with like how not to lose themselves social media is addicting yes it is so i mean so engulfed in it all yeah and even like listen i'm very aware and i am very proud of like the accomplishments that i've had and even for me i think that sometimes the comparison game of seeing other women my age or other people in general it's just you know especially like i'm 36 but like i don't have kids yet you know i'm not married yet and so those are things that it's like even though I'm like, I love my career, I love everything I've accomplished, but then I'm just like, this girl had a baby, this girl had a baby shower, this girl had a wedding. Like, it's very easy to always think of, like, grass is always greener when you constantly have at your fingertips other people's lives to compare to. So mm. it's also, I think, really important to just remember that, like, your story is your story, and also what you see on social media is not reality. Like, that's what somebody has curated about their life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about how money works on this scene, like in this industry, because I'm thinking on Cultura, we like to talk about how to secure the big <laughs> back. So what is that like? Like, if somebody wants to do what you're doing, like, how much money are they making? How are they negotiating their contracts? What is that process? So... I can't get into this too, like, too specifically just because, you know. Oh, you don't want to tell us exactly what you made? I mean, <laughs> I would. I, I would if I didn't have certain parameters, right? But what I will say is that, you know, I do think that. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Ooh, this is really good. You should know about this. So I don't know about you, but I've been known to procrastinate. It's especially when things scare the hell out of me. The fear alone would have me stuck, overwhelmed, confused, and all types of self-doubt. And don't even get me started on the imposter syndrome. Okay. Okay. After getting laid off, not once, but three times, honey. I realized that the security blanket that I made up in my head was just an excuse because I didn't really want to bet on myself. The corporate benefits that had me in that headlock, girl, they went out the window once my job decided that they no longer needed me. Turns out that I'll save a whole nickel if I cut your salary completely. The truth is, the only security blanket guarantee is the one that you create for yourself. In other words, until you start a business, you will always be at the mercy of a company's headcount and you will never have complete control over your time, which means you'll be renting out your thought leadership and helping build someone else's dream instead of your own. If you've been waiting for a sign, this is it. Don't you think it's time you stop playing small and tap all the way into your power sis? Check out www.victoriagen.com slash training to learn my three-step process, the exact three steps that I took to make the transition from corporate to entrepreneurship. And this is helpful even if you don't know what type of business to start and have only one source of income. And this is absolutely free. It is my gift to you. I want you to win. It's winning season. In fact, what's that? It smells like winning season. Okay, so tap in and I'll see you inside the training. Let's go. I think that people see if you're on TV or if you're in media, they assume like, like people heard that I worked for Oprah Winfrey and they're like, oh, you must be making millions. And it's like, when you're, when you work in media, like you're not getting into it for the money. I'll just, you know, put it that way. I think that it's definitely, and that's one of the th- reasons why I know when I was like coming up, my parents were like, why you want to be a journalist? Like journalists don't make money. That's not, right. you know, it's not like a guaranteed kind of field, like being a doctor, being a lawyer, things like that. Um, you know, of course, like any industry, once you get to a certain level, then you'll, if you're in like leadership positions, manage- management positions, you'll start to make more. But I think that, you know, getting in media journalism is definitely more 
of an arena you get into because you're passionate about it because you love it versus expecting that you're going to be making the big bucks Mm. you know but I think that things are definitely getting better like I think that from when I was starting out in journalism versus now a lot of unions have formed at companies there's a lot more I think Gen Z I love that Gen Z is so outspoken and vocal about like you know, equal pay and having a lot of these conversations. And one of the things that I do like to always talk to women, especially women of color about when they come to me for career advice and things like that one-on-one is like, definitely always ask for more. Like that is never, like never be afraid, never feel like, oh, if I ask for more, when I get this job offer, they might take it back. So like, I'm too afraid. So I'm just going to take the job and be grateful. Like, Mm -hmm. no, ask for more. Always. Always. Like, the worst that can happen is that you get a no, and then you can make your decision that way. So, you've had the opportunity to interview some major players, and I'm going to read it off the cue card because Hillary Clinton, Oprah Winfrey, Mariah Carey, (laughs) uh, John Legend, Maluma, Will Smith, and the list goes on. So, how do you prepare for these conversations, and how do you control, like, your nerves? You know... One of the interesting things, I think, is because my first job was assisting Gail and I did find myself around Oprah pretty often, I I had to just get over nerves real quick. Like, it was just like there was no time. I had to just like – it was – again, I think it was one of those things where it's like – God gave me opportunities and it was like I could either be real nervous right now and just be like the shaking little leaf or I can like, you know, be on my best behavior and impress Oprah Winfrey, right? Like as a young Mm -hmm. assistant, like just breaking into the industry. So I think that like because that was like my baptism by fire literally as an assistant, just like being around – that level of of person, I think that that really helped me to also realize, like, at the end of the day, Oprah was someone I idolized. I grew up watching her show. I grew up watching her interviews. My mom and I, so much of what we bonded over was, like, you know, watching her on TV. And so realizing that, like, at the end of the day, this person that I idolized for so long is still a human, and she's a person, and she's here, and she has a business that she's running. I think that helped me to just... she picks her boogers. Yeah, like, I think that that, (laughs) you know, it's just, like, realizing that people are still humans, even the people that you idolize. I think it just helps to kind of humanize, and I just, I think that that's the main thing that I keep in mind, that when I do interview people or when I am around people who are famous or who are celebrities is, is, like... They're a person just like you and I, and at the end of the day, like, I also try to approach it as, like, a conversation versus an interview. So Mm -hmm. I'm having a conversation with this person. I'm interested in what they're doing or what they have to talk about, just like I would be with one of my friends or over drinks with somebody versus thinking about them as a celebrity. But So I think that's helped me over time with the nerves. I will say I was really nervous to interview Hillary Clinton because it was – we So I was one of the first interviews that she did after losing the election, mm. and she had just released her book, and I mean, it's Hillary freaking Clinton. And also, right. like, you know, so much of what we talked about was relating to the election and just politics, and it was just a very important interview. So that was the one I think I was the most nervous for because it was just like, oh my, I was just like, you know, all of the accolades and, and everything that is associated with who she is as a person, it was just like, this is the kind of interview that you don't want to mess up. So mm-hmm. that, that one I was definitely nervous for. Okay, so a couple of more tips on how people can break into the industry and then I want to transition to entrepreneur. How can we give them tips yeah. for getting press? So if someone wants to break into this industry, they want to be on television, they want to be in front of the camera, top three tips. See, it's so the thing is for me, I, I, I think that like – my trajectory was more non-traditional because I did come kind of through editorial and the on-camera stuff just happened. But what I will say is I think that especially if you're young now and like this generation, 
I think that the, like social media is literally at your fingertips. And so like you can literally get yourself out there. You can market your own self. You can also use your own social media platforms as your portfolio. So 10, 15, 20 years ago, like we didn't have that option, right? But now it's like you can build your own following. You can prove that you're good on camera. You can prove that like you have interesting things to say literally from your platforms that are just at your disposal. So mm-hmm. I definitely think one big tip would be using social media to your advantage. I definitely think... especially in media in the world of like TV, journalism, digital media, who you know is definitely important. That saying of like, it's not what you know, but who you know. What you know is definitely important, but also who you know. So not being afraid to make connections, not being afraid to reach out to somebody. If it's not in the bathroom, maybe it's like, you know, in an Instagram DM or it's on LinkedIn or if you do see networking events that are in your area, like not being afraid to go even if you go alone. I remember being 21, 22 and seeing networking events and being like, why, I, like, how could I go by myself? But just really forcing myself outside my comfort zone and like meeting people, going to things, you know, events like we went to in Napa, and like mm-hmm. even if you don't know anyone, being open to meeting people, I think that's so important. You know, I think that it's it's just like anything. Like I think practice and just like not like knowing that you have to hone your craft and also realizing that like you're gonna have to work your ass off, just like any industry. It's not just about, you know, looking cute or having a personality and thinking that, like, you can just end up on camera or that you can work for any brand. It's also knowing that, like, you're going to have to grind and really work your way up. And it's easy for me in this interview to kind of summarize my whole journey, but it's taken me 15 years to get to this point. And that even is a lot faster than it is for a lot of people. So realizing that, like, it's going to take time and grind and hustle and, I also think the other thing for people to keep in mind is that our world is always changing. And so right now, TV is around. Five years from now, what is media going to look like? Like, we were talking about Twitter for so long. Now it's X. Like, Mm -hmm. just so many things changing at such a fast rate. So I think also just being flexible and knowing that, like, this this industry is definitely evolving literally by the second. Mm. So being flexible in that way. Yeah. And also adaptable. Because you're going to have to... Right. Ebb and flow yeah. with the industry. Yeah. One of the things that was interesting when I was inviting you on Banking on Cultura and we were talking about our conversation, you told me you had a whole boo thing. And I was like, oh, we had a boo thing. And you've actually kept your boo thing on the low, low purposely. So why and how has that been helpful because, you know, you are in the public eye. Yeah. I mean, it's not like it's a secret. I think it's one of those things where, like, I just don't – there was a point where I used to, we used to post about each other all the time, and I would post about him a lot. But then I think there was a point after we actually broke up for a little while and then got back together. And I think with the second time around, I just really realized that I think social media, for me, in a lot of ways, can be about kind of, like – sharing what's going on with like my career and like with work and a lot of just like kind of the the day-to-day like ambitions and for me I felt like so happy and solid in my relationship that it was just like you know I don't really feel like this is something that I need to market or that I need to like feel like I need to push content out around to impress anybody because Mm -hmm. it was really just something that felt really personal like private to me so that's probably going to change. Like, y'all might, by the time this comes out, you might see something. Ooh, you know what I'm saying? We might meet but, the boo. Yeah, okay. but it's just like, it's it has, it's just like, you know, we're really happy together and it's like a really good situation. But I think that sometimes it's like, it just feels like one nice thing to just like kind of keep to myself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Because especially, I mean, you learn from other people's mistakes yeah. as well. Because of if you follow celebrities, you already know the drama yeah. that goes down with their relationships and how it's all over the place once something goes left or right. And 
it's one of the things I struggle with as well, like, is when I do get my boo thing and it's like solid to a point <laughs> where it's like, oh, should I post them? I, I wonder if I will because the savages, they are out of control. Yeah, I think it's like, I think it's one of those things where I think with social media, we feel like we have to curate so much. And it's just like, what am I sharing with the world? How am I going to share it? Is it a soft launch? Is it a hard launch? Like, there's just so mm-hmm. much that, that, like, there was a point where I was just like, I don't know. It just, it just started to feel like it was just like, when I want to post something, I will. And, like, it's more, I think, and that's kind of also how I think I approach social media in general. It's like, you know, there are algorithms you could follow and things you could try to do to try to, like, be, you know, this type of influencer or have this type of following. But for me, I think I always just approach everything in my life from a a place that just feels authentic and genuine to, like, who I am and how Mm -hmm. I feel in that moment. And so I just kind of go with the flow. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So let's talk about advice for entrepreneurs who are trying to pitch and maybe get on, you know, the todayshow.com or get on the Today Show. How should they be thinking about this? Like, how should they approach getting, you know, themselves on the show to build their personal brand or their product, their business? What? Like, how should they be thinking about it? Well, I'll speak to digital specifically because the show is kind of like a whole other arm. I work on the editorial side and we have a whole vertical called Shop Today, which is actually a whole other team. So if you have a product specifically or you're looking to get like your your product or something that you're selling, like that's also like a whole different team. But I would say generally speaking, if you're an entrepreneur, I think the first place to start, which I know we talked about, is just like thinking about PR. So PR meaning pu- public relations. If you have a product or something that you're interested in, a story being told, there's two ways you can go about it. You can either A, be your own publicist and think about how you can, you know, create your own press releases or get your own word out about, you know, whatever it is that you're trying to tell and then look into finding the contacts at the places you're trying to get the word out to. Can you find emails for those people? Do you have like a very quick, snappy, like, sales pitch basically that you're putting into an email form with like a great subject line that this person's going to want to open or do you want to hire somebody who can do that for you there's plenty of PR agencies um, a lot of publicists who literally do this for a living and their whole um, job is literally to just like kind of take that off of your plate and figure out okay here's your product or here's your story or here's whatever it is that you're trying to get out there um, here's how, here's kind of the strategy of how we can go about doing that. So I think the first, you know, place that you want to think about is just like your marketing and your PR strategy. If you're specifically really looking to get on a show or get in a magazine or get into like a, a publication. Okay. So hire a PR team. Or you could think about doing it yourself and, you know, figuring it out that way. I think that the interesting thing too about the time that we're living in is like, Everything, so much of this information is like you can literally go on TikTok, you can go on YouTube, and you can literally figure out for yourself how to write a press release, right? So, like, you know, it's very, it's like kind of basic format. Like, you want to have a really like catchy sub- subject line. You want to make sure that you're like fi- doing your research to find the contact, so find let's the emails. Use banking on cultura, yeah, as an example. Yeah, what what should be our our catchy line? Well, I think that like the one thing to think about is like what sets your. What would you say? I'm gonna I'm gonna press you here. What oh, would you say okay. sets your show okay. and your concept apart from you know there's a lot of podcasts out there there's a lot of podcasts out there for latinas so you know what would you say sets your show apart from the others out there and this is a good question for anybody with any products or anything that they're trying to pitch what would make the today show or oprah magazine or esquire magazine or whatever publication out there or show or whatever think okay this particular show has something special 
So I would start with the fact that we focus on cultura, entrepreneurship, and monjinche. Mm. So there's an opportunity for edutainment type content, right? So it's not super boring where people are just like, oh my God, like I'm at school. Yeah. Where they're actually on the edge of their seats and feeling entertained as they are learning. So I think that's important because there's a huge gap in the market in terms of Latino-centered content that focuses on entrepreneurship specifically. Mm -hmm. So that's one. Two, the caliber of my guest. My guest, obviously. I mean, hello. We have you on the show. No, but seriously, they're all people who are super relatable, authentic. They have to have personality to them. So I think that is super important. Like you won't come to Banking on Cultura and you will find a lot of fluff. You'll find a lot of authenticity and a lot of heart-led type content mm -hmm. coupled with the educational piece. The fact that we speak in fluent Spanglish mm -hmm. is a key differentiator. And if you look at the data, I literally feel like I'm pitching right now. I know. If you right? look at the data. Tell me, tell me, tell me. <laughs> yes, Victoria, tell me, tell me. If you look at the data, most Latinos prefer to consume content that is English, num in English, number one, but where they are able to see infusions of their culture throughout the content, which we are doing through the language. What they also prefer to see and where they make purchases is when they see someone who looks at like them on front yeah. of the screen. So I think all of those three major components sets us apart and the fact that we really like to make sure that whoever is watching is not only walking away with tools that they can use and apply to their lives immediately, but that they feel good about their Latinidad mm -hmm. and they feel powerful and they view it as a competitive advantage versus an Achilles heel. So that's a long kind of drift. <laughs> so help me, like, how do I pinch that up so that people like get it and they're like, yeah. Yeah, I think that there's two things. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Ooh, this is really good. You should know about this. So I don't know about you, but I've been known to procrastinate, especially when things scare the hell out of me. The fear alone would have me stuck, overwhelmed, confused, and all types of self-doubt. And don't even get me started on the imposter syndrome. Okay. okay. After getting laid off, not once, but three times, honey. I realized that the security blanket that I made up in my head was just an excuse because I didn't really want to bet on myself. The corporate benefits that had me in that headlock, girl, huh, they went out the window once my job decided that they no longer needed me. Turns out that I'll save a whole nickel if I cut your salary completely. The truth is, the only security blanket guarantee is the one that you create for yourself. In other words, until you start a business, you will always be at the mercy of a company's headcount and you will never have complete control over your time, which means you'll be renting out your thought leadership and helping build someone else's dream instead of your own. If you've been waiting for a sign, this is it. Don't you think it's time you stop playing small and tap all the way into your power sis? Check out www.victoriagen.com slash training to learn my three-step process, the exact three steps that I took to make the transition from corporate to entrepreneurship. And this is helpful even if you don't know what type of business to start and have only one source of income. And this is absolutely free. It is my gift to you. I want you to win. It's winning season. In fact, what's that? It smells like winning season. Okay, so tap in and I'll see you inside the training. Let's go. So one is, I think that you can definitely pitch your show, right? You can pitch the show and pitch it as, you know, if your audience is interested in a show that is gonna educate them on entrepreneurship while also giving them lots of laughs and lots of cheese made then like you know this is the show for them 
here's you know when it's airing here's some of the star-studded guests that you can that you can expect like really just kind of selling the straightforwardness of the show and just trying to get the show out there but then the other thing that i think a lot that's really helpful to think about is you're the face right so you're the face of your show you're the host and so also pitching yourself as an expert so i think a lot of times shows magazines websites they're looking for experts for stories so let's just say that you know we're working on a story about for hispanic heritage month about you know podcasts that you should listen to right now and like maybe we want to talk to an expert who could give us some recommendations like talking to you as a host could be an idea or if we're looking for if we're working on a story about entrepreneurship or how to start your own business like pitching yourself as an expert and somebody that who can speak to different topics so that you can be kind of providing a service for like whatever media outlet you're talking to but you're also then plugging your show so we spoke to Victoria, who gave us XYZ great quotes. And by the way, she's the host of Banking on Cultura. And then she's, mm-hmm. that's literally kind of like also plugging. So mm-hmm. I think there's two ways for entrepreneurs to think about it. One is like your actual product that you're selling or your thing that you're trying to promote. And then also how to promote yourself and think about getting your own self out there as like a business owner or the founder or the face and getting in that way. Mm, That's really interesting because I literally steered away from mentioning myself as a key differentiator on purpose because so many people have challenged me to think about, okay, outside of you as the host, Victoria Jen, like, why is banking on cultura a thing? Why should we be paying attention? And for anyone who's tuning in, like, you have to think about that, like, what is your product without you? What is your business without you? What is your show without you? Whatever it is, because I think that is super powerful. But then to your point, I guess it depends on who's your audience and who you're talking to and how, like, what is the best way to give you the most leverage, inserting yourself and your expertise and your charisma and your personality and your energy and your badassery. Am I, should I keep going on? But no, seriously, like, Making sure that you understand that you are a key asset in that in the whole scheme of things. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think that's a really good point. I think like business strategy wise, you definitely want to think about, you know, making sure that your idea or your product or whatever it is that you've started has a long life. Like no right. matter one day you might step down and you won't be involved anymore. You sell it or whatever it is. So mm-hmm. that's definitely important to think about. But I think in the moment of like trying to promote it and getting the word out there and trying to get that placement in different media outlets and trying to get promotion, I think that you shouldn't be afraid to lean into yourself as like a face for sure. Yeah, Yeah. I love that. Okay, so let's get into the Talk That Talk segment. Ooh, Talk That Talk. So Afro-Latina, on camera... Do you speak Spanish fluently? Spanglish. You speak Spanglish. Speak Spanglish. See, this is why. This is why. This is yeah. our fluent language here. <laughs> so what do you think about the the stigma that is associated with Latinos who don't speak Spanish and how mm. the community views that? I have so much to say on this topic. So for those who don't know, my background is my dad is African-American, grew up born and raised in Baltimore. My mom is Boricua, so my mom's Puerto Rican. Shout and so Boricuas. So, and I grew up in Maryland. I grew up, like, you know, outside of Baltimore where there's not a lot of Latinos. And so for me, you know, I grew up mostly my, you know, I, I understood Spanish because whenever I was visiting my mom's family in the Bronx or if we went to Puerto Rico or when I heard my mom on the phone, I would always hear her speaking Spanish. And a lot of times she or my family would speak to me in Spanish and I would just answer in English. And obviously mm-hmm. my dad doesn't speak Spanish. So growing up, we didn't really speak a lot of Spanish in the house. And so I feel like it wasn't until I got a little bit older and then there was that kind of moment 
moment of like my Latino friends that would tease me and they'd be like, oh, you're not really Latina. And then I always had the dynamic too on the flip side of that of like my black friends being like, oh, you talk like a white girl or like, oh, you're Mexican because you're black and Puerto Rican. Like mm-hmm. there was always on both sides for me being biracial that I feel like I had I always kind of was made to feel less than and was made to feel like ashamed for how I was brought up or like the fact that I come from two different cultures. So for me, I think it's both a language thing and also just like a kind of coming from two different cultures thing. But ultimately, I think as I've gotten older, you know, it wasn't until I was really in my 20s that I was just like, okay, I'm in control. And if being if speaking Spanish is really important to me, then like I can take control and I can like do better about learning about it and you know, I took I took some classes. I also made a point of just like pushing myself outside of my comfort zone and speaking Spanish even when I felt, you know, uncomfortable because the reality is I think in our community, like we get teased for if you don't have the perfect accent, you get teased if you, you know, speak a certain way, you get teased if you don't know certain words and like there's always going to be that stigma. So for me, I feel like for a long time it made me feel bad. It made me feel like, dang, I guess I'm really not that, you know, I'm not Latina enough. I'm not Boricua enough. Like I, mm. I felt like that pressure but then as I got older I was just like fuck that like I'm like at the end of the day like I'm so proud to be Bordy I'm so proud to be Puerto Rican it's very important to me in the industry that I'm in and with every accomplishment that I've had to try to represent for Latinas to try to represent for black women so for me I'm like you know what there are certain elements of my culture that like no one can take that away from me and can take away my identity and at the end of the day it's language right but that doesn't represent everything about our culture so I definitely think it's something that's become more important to me as I've gotten older and I know that if I do have kids one day like I want to make sure that they speak Spanish and it's not something that I blame my parents for it's just like the it's like the situation that we grew up in and I think a lot of like second and third generation Latinos also feel the same way it's like if you grow up where you grow up and you're not necessarily speaking it at home it's kind of just like it just happens and it's not something that I feel we should have to shame each other for Mm -hmm. it's one of those things that is being used as like a divider within yeah. the community when we have way more bigger fish to fry. So now, don't get me wrong. It's super important to yeah. cultivate the language. Like mm-hmm. that is a part of our identity as a community, yeah. right? And listen, but, the TikTok girls are teaching me. They're like, at the end of the day, it's the colonizer's <laughs> language, right? So it's like, this isn't even really the language we mm-hmm. spoke in the first place. And like this, you know, just because some people from Spain came over. But but at the end of the day, it's like, obviously, it's like our it's our shared language. And I think that, you know, I, I feel I feel like there's there's a lot of we're kind of called the the yosabo kids right like this is like the thing i think with social media that is an upside is that i feel like i've made friends with girls on instagram who also are like me who are latina who don't speak perfect spanish and they'll post about it and i'll be like oh my god me too and then next thing you know we're like all kind of like vibing with each other and sharing our experiences so i feel like social media can get a bad rep but that's one of the things that i feel like i've definitely seen is like you can also kind of find your little corners of the internet. And there's a couple other girls. If you, I don't know if you know Maya in the moment. She's like, she was also, oh no, that Sounds was, so yeah. familiar. Yeah, Maya Murillo is her real name. But okay. she, she's Mexican. And she, when she was at BuzzFeed and then now as an influencer, like did a lot of content about being like Mexicana and not really speaking a lot of Spanish. And I remember just being like, wow, like I think she was the first person that I saw who like, really spoke about this this was like years ago I saw she did something on YouTube and then I was just like oh my god I relate to that and so it also made me feel a little bit less alone so I think that the stigma has definitely been removed a little bit I think around this topic especially as like more and more kids are growing up and not necessarily speaking Spanish but it's still definitely a thing 
Yeah, yeah. totally. We still have a ways to go. Yeah. But my hope is with shows like Banking on Cultura. Yes. And having these super candid and raw conversations about stigmas that exist in our community, mm-hmm. we can begin to unpack. And yes. we can begin to, you know, educate abuelo, a tias, a tios about, hey, it's okay if yeah. I speak Spanglish. Like, stop pressing me. 1,000%. <laughs> There's so many bigger issues that we could be yeah. worrying about right now. Like, you know, so many things. But yeah. I, I think that that's – but at the end of the day, it's what's important to you and, like, what makes you feel connected to your culture. And so if speaking Spanish is, like, one of the most important things, then you can also do things about that. You can take right. the lessons. You Spanish can learn. Don't be dummies. afraid, Go. Don't be afraid Go to learn. Go Don't be afraid to practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all the things. Yeah. All right. So where can people like learn about you and follow you so they can pick up the book you have right now and also get this novel? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at at Ariana G-A-B. That's Ariana one R two N's. And yeah, you can. I mean, that's probably the best place on Instagram. I also have a website, arianadavis.com. You can head there. But basically what we're free to do is available wherever you buy your books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, et cetera. And then my novel is still a work in progress. But hopefully by the time this airs, I will have some more news to share. I would love that. And then I would love to read it and then have you back on. Because the Latina Carrie Bradshaw, I mean, hello. (laughs) That's the goal. A big deal. And much love and good luck for that. Because I know writing books is (laughs) is not easy. That's a whole other side Uh, hustle, honey. Yeah. Yeah. So so kudos to you. And thank you for being an example for Afro Latinas, for women for holding it down for us on the big screen, doing your damn thing. Thank you. And thank you for what you're doing. I love that you're doing this with this show. And I feel like this is going to blow up and you're just going to be, you're going to be next. So I'm excited for you. Thank you. Do you see me in the editorial print on today.com or on the Today show? I mean, we could, we could talk. We could talk. We could talk. Let's talk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate you so of much course. for being here, mama. All right, guys. That's a wrap for today's episode. Make sure to tune into the next one. Leave your reviews. Let us know what you think about the episodes. Make sure to subscribe if you're watching us on the YouTube. Make sure to download us if you're over on the audio streaming platforms. We, we taking it all, okay? We're taking video and we're taking audio by storm so we need you guys to like literally support and attack all fronts so that the today show comes and knocks on our door okay that's how we doing things no but thanks so much for being here guys until next time